Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, everybody. Objectively, Dan here. Okay, so correct me if I'm missing something, but this passage is racist, right? This is from Second Nephi, from the Book of Mormon, uh, chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. And he had caused the cursing to come upon them, yea, even a sore cursing, because of their iniquity. For behold, they had hardened their hearts against him, and that they had become like unto a flint. Wherefore, as they were white, and exceedingly fair and delightsome, and that they may not be enticing unto my people, the Lord God did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. And thus saith the Lord God, I will cause that they shall be loathsome unto thy people, save that they shall repent of their iniquities. Uh, Am I missing something here? Because this sounds pretty bad. If you think you can defend this, you should call into the show because it is starting right now. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Truth Wanted. I am your host, Objectively Dan. This is the live call-in show that happens every single week, Fridays at 7 p.m. Central Time, where we talk to people about what they believe and why. And if you'd like to call us, you can do that at 512-991-9242 or through your computer at tiny.cc slash call DW. Truth Wanted is, of course, a product of the Atheist Community of Austin, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to the promotion of atheism, critical thinking, secular humanism, and the separation of religion and government. And every single week, I always have a special guest. This week is no different. It is Aaron Jensen joining me today. Aaron, welcome to Truth Wanted. Uh, YOLO, Dan. It's great to be here. YOLO. YOLO. I like it. That's a, that's a new one. Uh, well, I mean, YOLO's <laughs> not new, but I don't think anyone has ever said YOLO on, as, as no. to being on to, in regards to being on Truth Wanted. That's pretty it's, cool. It's ironic. It's ironic. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. I haven't heard, it's been a few years since I've heard of YOLO. That was a good hearty YOLO right there, yeah, uh, which I, I appreciate that. It, it sounds um, kind of like hello, but it's, but it's not. It does kind of sound like hello. And I think you could like. Uh, trick people with that as well. If you're like YOLO and they're like, oh, what does that mean? It's like, ah, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's Bulgarian. It's Bulgarian for hello. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, this is, of course, Truth Wanted. This is a call in show. We've got open lines right now, guys. So you should definitely call in, especially if you haven't called in before. Why not call in tonight? Maybe, maybe the universe is providing an opportunity for you to call in and you should do it. Um, but before we get to the calls, we have to talk to you guys about our segment, the We Want the Truth segment, the thing that we're doing every week where we're reading a prompt and we are getting your best answers. I'm excited to read you guys these answers because last week's prompt was, what does the J in J Mike 
really stand for? And here are our favorite answers. Number three comes from Miranda Rensberger. The J in J Mike stands for Johnny P. Angel, which is a great meta joke there. I really like this joke. This is this is this is a good one. Uh, there's a lot of layers to this, and uh, I, I appreciate this very much. So, so thank you, Miranda, for giving me giving me that joyous laugh. Uh, number two comes from Chuck Gatos, who says Jenga Mike because he was a clumsy kid and tended to knock things over a lot. And I like this lore about J Mike that, uh, or I, I think alternatively, it would be really funny if he was just like really into Jenga. Uh, so they just called him Jenga Mike, which is just like a very funny character trait. I don't know. Uh, nothing more to say about that. Um, but our number one comment comes from Miranda Rensberger as well, who says, if I were to reason like some people, I might say all of the Duggar kids have names that start with J Mike. Uh, sorry. All the Duggar kids have names that start with J. J Mike starts with J. Therefore, J Mike is the secret 20th Duggar kid. Uh, which would be again amazing lore. I would love to add to J Mike's lore. Uh, his perfect background. logic, perfect yeah. logic right there. I think J Mike would agree with that. I think that's a perfectly valid syllogism. I think so. And and as we know, all valid syllogisms are true. true. So um, therefore, this is true, and that's a syllogism within itself. So J-Mike yeah, Duggar. you heard it here I, first. J Mike, J Mike, this J Mike, the secret Duggar. I like that. Uh, we all need I'd like watch that show. I'd watch that I, show. I'd watch that too. It's like J Mike, like trying to like keep his secret uh, from like the rest of the world, uh, <laughs> you know, and like him just like balancing his daily life. I like this. I'd, I'd like the segments where he snuck back home and had conversations with the Duggars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot you could do with that concept. Uh, I would love to see J Mike fan fiction uh, on the subject. <laughs> so please submit to me your best fan fiction about J Mike. Uh, and I will read it on the show probably. Um, but uh, for this week, we are doing a caption contest for our thing. So audio listeners, sorry, you don't get to participate as much in this one. Um, but we are going to put this picture on the screen here in just a second. There it is. We want you guys to capture or sorry, caption this image. And this actually was from last week's show. It's uh, J. Mike being very despondent, I would say. He's got his is, hands over his face. It is a double face palm. He's got his, double. his face is covered by both his hands. And you can say it under that under those hands. He's he's either weeping or gnashing of teeth or both. There's, yes. there's some really real sorrow under those. And under those. I hands. don't know. What, I don't know what kind of face I'm doing there. Um, I don't know if I'm delighting in it or if I'm also re- I think I'm kind of responding like WTF is happening here. But I want you guys to caption this image. Leave your best uh, comments below. And we'll read the top three answers next week. Uh, so I would love to see what you guys have to say about this one. So a little bit different this time. We're doing a little bit of a caption contest thing. So we'll see how you guys like it. Sorry, um, podcast n- listeners. Sorry, podcast listeners. And, and you know, uh, I love you guys because I'm also an audio person. But we, this is a pretty funny picture. So I also want to see what the captions are. Um, so, of course, I'm always talking to people on this show. We kind of talk a lot. Uh, and this week, I'm talking to you, Aaron Jensen. So, Aaron, who who are you, Aaron? Who what is what is you? What is an Aaron Jensen? Well, I wanted I wanted. Can I share my caption for for? Oh yeah, yeah. You have a caption your picture. I have a caption. Yeah. yeah. What's the caption for the image? Let's put it back so, on screen real quick. Yeah, let's put that back up here. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my caption is J Mike realizing that Dan showed up to the show sober. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen. That would be, I, you know, if 
Hmm. How, how do I put this? I've always shown up to the show sober. I don't know if I could say the same for J Mike. I bet, I bet there's been a time or two where he has it and I will never know which ones, but, uh, I could see it for J Mike's sake, you know, if uh, J. Mike but, ever showed up to a show, uh, not sober. He, uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he's a trooper. He's a trooper. Yeah. Um, but no, we're all typically sober on these shows in case anyone is wondering, uh, that is a joke. Uh, no, so no. just putting that out there, might, <laughs> but I, anyway. might have, I might have to excuse myself then. We'll I see. say typically, cause I don't know if uh, you know, I can't speak for everyone's experience. I can only speak for mine. I typically get accused of being high, uh, when I actually really don't smoke weed. So I don't know what the deal is there, but, uh, that's that's just a little accusation that gets thrown around sometimes. I just think it's because of the subject matter. That just got the vibe. Just got the vibe, man. I guess I have the vibe. I guess I have the stoner kid vibe. Um, but it's not really my thing. So uh, don't know don't know what to say about that. But back to you, Aaron. We're talking about yes. Aaron Jensen. Aaron Jensen, you've been on other ACA shows in the past, so this isn't your first ACA uh, it's, appearance. It's not. I've been appearing on the uh, nonprofits. Yes. Once a month since January. Yes. And I've had a yes. really good time over there meeting a lot of good people, smart people, and talking about current events, what's going on in the world, and trying not to despair and too much with what we see yeah. out there. Nonprofits sister show uh talks a lot about the news. If you want to hear a skeptic's take on the news, go go listen to nonprofits. Yeah. They're doing I've they're heard, doing that um, work. There's a rumor that it's the uh what is it? The um oh, the flag flagship the show flagship show the flagship you know, show of the ACA from what I've heard. I can, I can neither confirm nor deny that rumor. Okay. Uh, sad to say, because uh, okay. that's never been an official mantra here on Truth Wanted. Maybe uh, on other. I'm shows. sorry. I, I'm. I apologize. But uh, you know, like I said, just can't confirm or deny. Can't confirm or deny. That's all I'll say about it. But yes, Aaron <laughs> Jensen, you you have a you have an interesting background. I would say compared to a lot of people that I have on here, because you have an interesting intersection with Mormonism. I do. I was born and raised Mormon. Yes. Uh, more. Uh, appropriately today, I guess, known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yes, and they want you to. Be, they want to be called Latter Day Saints now, or LDS. They don't. They're trying to distance themselves from the Mormon moniker. But Mormon is way easier and funner and better to say than LDS or Latter Day Saints. Plus, yeah. everybody already knows what a Mormon is. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. You know, we've had ex Mormon guests on the show before, and we've had ex Mormons call in. I've never, the, uh, as far as I can remember, I don't think an actual Mormon has called into the show. So, if you're a Mormon watching this, we would love to talk to you. But ex Mormons, yeah. of course, always want to hear about your experiences as well, because Mormonism to me is just so fascinating. It's just like you know. I grew up in a Baptist sort of background. I went to a Methodist church, but culturally it was Baptist. It's complicated. Baptists love nothing more than to talk shit about other denominations. And boy, do they love talking shit about the Mormons. They love saying how they're polygamous and how uh, they believe in multiple gods and that everybody gets their own planet. They love the highlight reels. You know, you hear the same stuff all around. And so my cultural knowledge of Mormonism up until I was an adult was just these kind of trivia points. Um, until I actually heard the stories of Mormons and actually looked into, uh, you know, the skepticism behind the Mormon religion itself, I didn't realize how, like, extra bad shit it is because you get all the bad shittery of Christianity, but then you get to add some extra stuff to it, too. There's some extra sauce that comes with it. So it's not that I'm saying that Mormonism is somehow uh, better in some regards, I, I I was just not even told all the weirdest parts. <laughs> Honestly, uh, it's even weirder than I thought it was. Yeah, there's there's lots of weird stuff. Uh, 
if you read your official church stuff, you don't get two weird things. You know, the church official church manuals, they keep it pretty, pretty tame. But if you look out and kind of the edges of things, and especially in early church history, some of the early church leaders, they pro- they were proponents of some pretty crazy things, you know, yeah. things like Adam was actually God, um, stuff like that. Yeah, it's just, it can, it can get pretty crazy. Yeah. So, so like, tell me about this experience being Mormon, because I knew like one Mormon kid growing up, and I'm sure everyone always thought of him as like the Mormon kid. Did you feel like you were like outsized as a Mormon growing up? Or is that like, uh, well, you're mostly insular within your community, so it didn't bother you that much? Yeah, I grew up out, uh, I grew up in Oregon. Mm. So everybody knows you're Mormon, but yeah. nobody really makes a big deal big deal about it. Yeah. You know, born and That's raised. Fair. I actually went, served a, served a mission, uh, came back, got married in the, in the temple, you know, did the whole, I like to call it the Mormon checklist, right? There's this checklist of, for Mormon, this, it's not written down anywhere, but there's this checklist. You get married, you get baptized, you receive the priesthood, you go on a mission, you come back, you get married in the temple, that you have kids. So, you know, I was a, you know, true believing TBM, true, true believing Mormon. Yeah. Trademark. Did all, did all the things, checked all the boxes, uh, tried to share the gospel with my friends, uh, you know, tried to try to do all the things that the church wants you to do, paid your tithing, went to the temple, all, all that, all that fun stuff. Mm. So you do all that. And, uh, you're also here on this show. So something must yeah, have happened in between happened. that and here. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So what happened was I had a son, I had our first child. And when I was holding my son, when you, when you have your, your kids, you have so much love for him. It's just, it's almost overwhelming. And I was sitting there thinking, I have so much love for my son, but I don't feel that same love from God who supposedly mm. loves me even more than that. And that's really what started me down the path of kind of questioning. It was really an emotional process for me of just kind of just not feeling it. Yeah. And just trying for, you know, the church is really big on enduring to the end and being faithful and being obedient and doing what you're serving and doing what you're supposed to do. And I, and I tried and I did that for years and years and years, but the emotions just weren't there. I never felt connected to God. I never felt like anything, anybody was listening, um, felt alone spiritually. And it just got to a point where I was, I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't pretend I couldn't, I tried to fake it till I, I became it to fake it till I make it. And I just couldn't do it. And so I can, I said, what, five, five, six years ago, I finally said, you know, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Hmm. And I left. Wow. Yeah. And so what was that experience like leaving Mormon? Because like to, to leave Mormonism, there's extra hurdles. I don't know if everybody realizes this, but it's not the same thing as just saying like, oh, I'm just not going to be a Christian anymore. And you don't show up to your church, right? Like there's, there's, there's some extra barriers, I think, in place, right? Yeah. I've heard horror stories where people just won't, don't get left alone and they get harassed. Mm. And that has not been my experience. I have no, I've never had anybody come over and harass me. I've never had anybody come over and even ask, Hey, why'd you leave? Mm, I just mm. kind of stopped going and, and just kind of have been left alone. Now, did you, did you officially rescind your membership? Cause I, I know have, that there's, you, you I have, have not officially rescinded have not, my membership okay. yet. I have, uh, haven't bothered to take the time. I'm not, I, I don't know. I just, I haven't bothered to do it yet. I'm not sure. This is why. another point that Exmos make, which is they want to send a letter to rescind their membership. And sometimes the letters get conveniently lost or there's a little bit of back and forth, right? It's not always just a, okay, here you go. It's like canceling your gym membership, right? Yes. You can't just cancel your gym membership. You got to send something in the mail or you got to do something. It's, it's crazy. They should make yeah. that illegal by the way. But so I, I haven't, I haven't tried to do, to do that. 
but like I said, I've, I've never mm-hmm. encountered anybody who's had, who's had one of those horror stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the horror stories of course are, hor- they're terrible. And so they get a lot of play and a lot more notice than, than, than other, you know, non interesting stories. So sure. That may but, be it, but you did experience this crisis of faith, obviously, yeah. uh, was impactful for you. I imagine you sounded like you committed a lot of your life to the I institution did. of the, of the Mormon church. So yeah, served a mission, um, at church every week for two or three hours at, at least. And then usually everybody's got what's what, what we, what's called a calling or a service opportunity where you go and, and serve other people. And so there's leadership roles, there's teaching roles, there's all sorts of things that re, that require time outside of outside on Sunday. It's a, it's a 24 seven. It's really enforced that when you're Mormon, you're living at 24 seven. It's, it's not just a Sunday religion. Yeah. They, they really stress obedience or keeping the commandments, enduring to the end, doing good, being good. There is a, 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 a positive identity sort of structure around yes. being Mormon, right? Yes. It is very a- strong culture, very strong. It's very structured. Yeah. You go to, you go to a church meeting anywhere in the world and it's going to be pretty much the same thing. Mm. So, so when you're saying, Oh, I, I'm having these doubts and you're trying to struck me and obviously that to have a ramification both personally. And I imagine maybe professionally, like what was that like family response? Well, try to blame what happened, pushback. Um, well, not really. My family's been very accepting. My mm. parents have been very accepting. I haven't received uh, too much uh, pushback. Occasionally I'll get cards in the mail uh, that are religiously themed or texts that are religiously themed. And I just kind of uh, email or mail uh, religiously themed. I just kind of just ignore them. <laughs> They're not, not really interesting to me. Uh, the biggest impact was on, uh, on my wife. She, ha- she took it really hard mm. and, uh, and we're still together and we're still working through it, but it's tough. It's, it's tough. Uh, yeah. She still, she still believes and I don't. And, and uh, there's some challenges there. Yeah. And you're also, I mean, you got married within this institution as well. Yeah. We got right? married in the temple, which is like, oh, you know, the pinnacle right. of, of what you're supposed to do. And, and so uh, you, and you have I'm, these psychological sort of pillars uh, in this religion. It's like, I, I like how you mentioned in your story that it wasn't just a logical breakdown. This was an emotional breakdown for it you. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. We sometimes like to think, oh, well, I just realized all this stuff was silly and then I left it behind. But it's really more than that. A lot. I mean, sometimes we can rationalize after the fact. But for a lot of us, it's just like we started to not feel it anymore, <laughs> you know. Uh, and that's an important part of the process, because I think a religion, especially as sort of uh, highly active as Mormonism is, it requires your participation. It requires yeah. Uh, something from you that's more than just uh, here's a punch card, right? It's like you, you're you're actively doing all these things. You're participating in the community. You are upholding these values and traditions that are expected upon you, and uh, that that's exhausting within itself. And and dealing with it that, is. the ramifications of that, I imagine, can also be exhausting emotionally. Yeah, I just I I couldn't do it. Uh, I wasn't feeling it. And when you go to church and you hear all the you should be doing, you should be doing, you should be doings. I just couldn't, I couldn't take the shit. You should be doing things. You should be doing your genealogy work. You should be reading the scriptures every day. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And I just, and I wasn't doing all those things. And I, the guilt is overwhelming when you go to church and you try to do better and you try to do good, but you, your heart, my heart just wasn't in it. I just wasn't really interested in doing those things. And, and I finally just accepted that's, it's just not what I wanted. It's not who I am. And when I first left the church, I, I still believed the church was true. I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it emotionally. Mm. And I, I kind of stood out there in that spot where I thought the church was true, but I was just angry and, and mad at, at God and, and didn't want anything to do with them. Uh, 
I said to myself, God knows where I am. If he's interested in, in having me back, then he knows he knows what he knows where I am and he can come get me. And then it wasn't until two or three years ago where I was just browsing YouTube and saw an ACA show, saw an episode of or a segment from Atheist Experience and Matt Dillahunty. And I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and uh, started listening to their podcast. And it wasn't, a, you know, a month, two months before I was like, oh, I'm totally an atheist. Yeah. Interesting. So, so is that a label that you feel comfortable describing yourself with now as atheist? Yes, very okay. much. Yeah. What In is the beginning, that label Not so much because a lot of people say, well, an atheist claims that there's no God. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. listening to the athe- a- ACA shows, I realized, no, we don't claim there's no God. We just don't accept the claim that there's a God. We just don't believe that there is a God. Sure. I, yeah. There could be like there could be a god somewhere. He, he, she, they, it has not made himself, herself, themselves, itself known to me. So I can't say there's no god, but I don't believe any any claims about god that I've heard. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I think a lot of atheists can cite their lack of belief definitely through like uh, yeah. that popularized that quite a bit. Um, I that was certainly the first time a guy that I was yeah. I've, I've always been a little bit skeptical. My whole life I've been. A kind of a skeptical person like eh, really you know especially when you every every month in the church they have what are called a, a testimony meeting where people the mic is open it's an open mic right. anybody can get up and share their spiritual experiences and what they're feeling about god and the church and things like that and and people would get up there and they share their their prayer stories about oh i prayed and god gave me this and and i'd always be just in my heart that's eh, really how do you how do you know that that was God? Did, did he like put a little a flag in in your experience and say, "Nope, this is"? <laughs> did me. he give a signature? Did he, did he, did he sign his e signature? Yeah. yeah. And so I was always a little bit skeptical, but I, I kind of set my skepticism aside because I was trying to be faithful, trying to be yeah. you know what God wanted me to be, and 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 let God work out the details. Yeah, I mean, what is uh, first of all the op- I, I know about the open mic testimonies because there's been controversy within the last couple of years because people have tried to point out abuses within the church by using <laughs> some of those oh, uh, yeah. open mic nights, which is interesting. But also, like, um, what? Why does something like that functionally exist if not to reaffirm? yourself and others in the belief right like i don't i don't go to an open mic night for my workplace every week and talk about how awesome my work is that'd be weird right like like okay you know but for some reason this exists within mormonism and and to me like there's a very clear psychological sort of uh, explanation as to what that can do to somebody right and and what its purpose could be i don't know if that was their intention i don't know if it's in that but. Those started early days of the church. We're talking first couple years of the church. They would have yeah. testimony meetings, and it just kind of carried on through uh, through the whole rest of the history of the church. Yeah, yeah. I I love uh, Mormonism is just such an American religion, which it I really love. Is. Everybody says that, right? Everybody says Mormonism yeah. is the American religion, but like it's so true. And just like the 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 values that it espouses and the 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 traditions that develop from it within blending within the American. I way of life as well. It's just, it's so fascinating to me. I love looking into Mormonism because I get to see it as an outsider looking in and just, and just be utterly fascinated. Uh, But I imagine just growing up with that is very different. Do you ever feel like when you talk to other atheists that you're isolated in that experience because Mormonism is so different? Or do you think that there is more in common with other Christianities uh, than there are differences? No, I don't feel, I don't feel isolated from other atheists at all. Mm. It's the doctrine. Everybody's got, different doctrines. I mean, you talk mm-hmm. to a hundred different Christians, they're all going to believe a hundred different things about, and you know, Mormonism and Baptists and Seventh-day Adventists and Jehovah's Witnesses. We could go on forever listing them all. It's just the doctrines 
they're just they're different but when you when yeah. you leave it you're still you're still an atheist when you're when you're done yeah i like i wonder because one of the reasons that mormonism is fasting is because of the character of joseph smith and the early church sort of uh yeah. figureheads that surrounded yeah. him right you get this sort of biography uh, that you don't get with other religious traditions because of its more recency, right? Like we know way more about Joseph Smith than we'll ever know about Muhammad or Jesus or Buddha or any of these folks, right? And I have to wonder if Jesus was around at the same time Joseph Smith was, what kind of things will we, what perspective will we have about Jesus <laughs> uh, that would be very different uh, than what we have about Joseph Smith? Because like, jo like looking at Joseph Smith, like everyone looks at his life and it's like, yeah, duh, total cult leader. <laughs> like absolutely, <Yeah. laughs> display all the signs. But would we say the same things about these other guys from history? I, I think maybe we would. Uh, but that's my speculation. Yeah, it's hard to say. There's not a lot of records. There's no firsthand accounts of Jesus. So yeah. we don't even know who he really was, what he really said. Everything's, you know, 20, 30 years after he was, he was, uh, he died, right? That's the soonest sure. writings we have about him. So that's kind of disappointing. But Joseph Smith, he is a fascinating character. Yeah. I think, I think he must have been the, one of the most charismatic people that to have ever walked the earth, to be honest, because the way he was able to get people to follow him, the, the, the doctrines that he was able to develop, the books that he was able to write, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, all these scriptures that are unique to Mormonism, they all pretty much came from him. Mm -hmm. um, I still don't know exactly where the Book of Mormon originated from. It's 500 plus pages, and it just seems... Uh, pretty remarkable that some per one individual person could write that many pages well, that's There's because it wasn't joseph smith there and it was it was the angel it was the it angel was, oh yeah it, yeah he was just transiting i stand was, corrected i was about to say moroni but it's not moroni it's but uh to be able to get people to follow you and believe what <clears> they believed and to start in new york and then go to ohio to get people to sacrifice everything they had and then to get kicked out of ohio and to go to missouri to do the same yeah. thing there and then to get effort to get so bad that the governor of Missouri made it legal to kill Mormons. Yeah. Right. And also people like burning down buildings and shit. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff. It was that crazy. History. And then to finally get moved uh, to Illinois. And that's where he finally uh, was, uh, was martyred. And then to, to move across the, the plains and move into Utah. That's, that's, you must've been super, super charismatic to be able to, to do that. I think so, too. I, I actually agree with your assessment here. He has to have been, if not one of the most extremely charismatic individuals, at least like up there, because yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot to do with people. <laughs> I think we've all met. We've all met those people where they're like, in, you feel like, oh, this person is my best friend and you just meet them. Right. They're super yeah. outgoing and charismatic and they just make you feel like you're the bee's knees and the best thing ever. And you just want to be their friend and hang out with them all the time. I imagine that there's Joseph Smith just at, up well, to another le a whole nother level. What's especially interesting too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Joseph Smith didn't come from a background of particular status, right? No, he was very, they were very poor. Right. I can't remember how I many mean, brothers and sisters he had, but yeah, I didn't, uh, I think he had a third grade education. Yeah. I heard he was functionally illiterate, uh, yeah. which is again, like not to say that you need to be illiterate to be able to convince people, but like to say that, yeah, I got this book here. I mean, like, how does that, how do you convince people? other people oh look there's this book and it came from an angel and i have this but i can't even read and write that yeah i don't know if even, that's a weird uh, thing even <laughs> even um even if he plagiarized the book of mormon large parts of it from other sources when you look back at the records of how he translated translated mm -hmm. the book of mormon there's there's no record of anybody admitting that he like was reading off of paper or that he was 
copying from other sources. It was basically the the translation process was he had this stone, this little red, this little brown rock that he found somewhere. uh, And he'd put it into a hat, like an Abraham Lincoln stovepipe. And he'd either look into it or he'd cover his whole face with it and dictate the book of Mormon to uh, whoever was, was, was scribe. Yeah. And taking everybody at their word, assuming that he just did it off the top of his head. That means he had to have remembered all those stories and all those sources that he was plagiarizing from and remix them in his head and verbalize them out at the same time that he was remixing them. I, I, I think he, I think he might've been some kind of genius as well, to be honest. I just or it was the angel Moroni. Aaron. Oh, we not considered that this was the angel Moroni or it could have been actual written records that he was translating. Yeah. But, uh, the, the, I came to find out after I left the church that, um, unfortunately the traditional view that we have uh, in the, in the church that they have of Joseph Smith translating the book of Mormon, where he's got the gold plates, right? So the, the mm-hmm, story mm-hmm. is that he received this big book of gold, literal gold metal plates with writing on them and that he would put them on the table and there would be a divider between him and his scribe. And, and he would, you know, read from the letters and dictate to a scribe. No, that, that didn't, that never happened. There's no record of that ever actually happening. The, like I said, he used the seer stone or the peep stone as they would call it. He called the peep stone in a hat to translate the book of Mormon and and didn't actually use the book of Mormon. And you can find there's an article on the church's website that confirms this, that that's how Joseph Smith translated the book of Mormon. This is what I've heard as well, that this hat, this hat thing that's going on, the magic hat. I don't know what you call that, but uh, yeah, uh, just like one little tidbit, just that's, that's one little slice of Mormonism. And again, that's just Joseph Smith. There's a lot of other characters that really appear in the history of Mormonism. That is really fascinating. So I'm I'm glad we should have even started on Brigham Young. Oh, that guy was, that guy was a piece of work. Whereas Joseph was charismatic. Brigham Young was just a great a-hole. Brigham Young is like, I'm trying to think of a modern equivalent, but he would absolutely be the worst. I would I would probably despise him if I met him in real life. Joseph Smith, there's at least some, there has to be a likable tendency to, it's like a roguish tendency, you know? You kind of like yeah. the villain a little bit. That's right. how I feel when I look at Joseph Smith. It's like the Joker to, to Batman. Okay, <laughs> there's a little bit that you kind of like. Brigham Young is like... I don't know. He's like the penguin. He's not he's as like, well. Yeah. No, the pe- penguin's kind of likable too. If it's played by Dane. He's like Bane. He's like it's the like, authoritarian. Mm, yeah. I'm in charge. Go. Everybody's going to do what I say. Yeah. I know what's right from wrong. There will be no dissent. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was yeah. a strict guy. Honestly, Aaron, I would love to keep talking to you about moralism stuff, but this is a Colin show and we actually have quite a bit of callers. Uh, oh, nice. that want to talk to us. So you ready nice. to talk to some folks? I am nervous, okay. but excited. Yeah, let's cool. get to it. We got a lot of people that want to talk to us. So, folks, if you're on the line, stay on the line, and uh, we're going to try to get to everybody today. Uh, would love to do that. Before we do get to the callers, though, I have to do the patron of the week because every single week I always thank at least one person, pretty much one person. I don't know why I say at least. It's always one person on the Patreon. That's tiny.cc slash Patreon TW. Of course, I want to thank everybody that donates, but we're going to give that shout out to one person this week, and this week's patron of the week is... LB. Short, simple, and sweet. I like it. Thank you, LB, and thank you to everybody that donates on the Patreon. You guys rock. Are we sure it's more not information? Pound? We're sure it's that, not pound. It might be pound. That's true. I'm just I call it as I see it. You see it, maybe it's not as simple. I don't know. Or look. I'm, I'm no Joseph lump. Smith. I can't interpret <laughs> things. Maybe if I put it, maybe if I print it out and put it in a hat with a rock, I could tell you what exactly it says. Maybe, uh, maybe. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No But now is not the time or place for that because we got to talk to some people. Aaron, let's do it. this is a call-in show, so let's do it. Um, I think this is uh, a great one to maybe start with. Uh, Cooper, you've been on the line since before the show got started, Cooper from New York, you're live on Truth Wanted. What's up? Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Well, what do you want to talk to us about today? Yes, I am a doubting, questioning theist and would love absolutely nothing more to leave my wretched faith behind. Okay. And uh, yeah, and um, but have not just boulders in the way, but mountains in the way. Okay, let's talk about it. Tell me, tell me about you, Cooper. What's the what's your background, and where are these boulders you're looking at? Uh, I have more than one cognitive disorder, or not disorder, but condition uh, okay. that kind of almost make it like hypnotize me into believing. I still catch myself praying to God and talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the saints. And the angels, even though I'm not Catholic, and like I hear, like in my heart, I feel like in myself, like I feel like I get clear answers, but like the promises that they give me never seem to come. You know, mm-hmm. like it shall be coming, these promises and the hopes of them, at least the promises will be coming around the mountain any minute now, any day, but that day never arrives. Yeah. Yeah. So first off, let me say, whether you suffer from any sort of cognitive disorder or not, what you're experiencing is actually not only a very normal thing, but an incredibly common one. You may not hear folks like us talk about it a lot because for some of us, we've been so far removed from the religion that it's not a thing that we struggle with as much. But I can speak for myself in at least telling you that when I was deconstructing my faith, I was absolutely still having a desire to pray and absolutely thinking that there was something deep inside of me that was calling out to something greater. Or perhaps maybe I was getting some of my prayers answered or something heard from something beyond myself. Um, That's not true for just Christians as well. That's true for like way other beliefs, right? I mean, I think this is a pretty common enough phenomenon that it's something that we can look at and even study and wonder why this happens. There's a couple of explanations as to why. One of them is quite obvious, I think, when you look at it, and it's the psychological comfort that that brings, right? You've kind of been socially proofed into this. What I mean by social proof is you've looked at other people and you've seen that this is something that they do when they're looking for something or calming their nerves or are trying to find peace, whatever it may be. And so you kind of pick up on that and you do it for yourself and you don't really question the results of it because <laughs> everybody else seems so sure about it, right? So that kind of habit, that cognitive habit is not something that you're just going to break from right away. 
it's kind of like quitting smoking. It's like, what? I mean, you still want to do that thing. So of course you're going to do it, even if it doesn't rationally make sense or if you don't think it's good for you. Um, so I would comfort right. you in saying that this too will probably pass as well. It's probably not something that's going to happen the rest of your life. I don't know you, Cooper. I can't say that for sure. But what I can say is for a lot of people, uh, it's still a thing for a while and then it just goes away. Uh, so don't worry too what, much what, about it. What what the, can you can the both can either one of you or the both of you offer or what advice would you offer to me or your listeners uh, as far as like what the best way to leave faith or deconstruct is? Would it be studying the sciences? Would it be studying philosophy or morals and ethics in regards to these questions? And like in that regard, um, uh, like then what does what does a shooting star become? You know, there's no wishes to sure. be granted on a shooting star. Uh, there's no magic in the world. Like, is there any hope left in the world? Is there any magic left in the world? Or are all those words just meaningless and superfluous to us if, we, mm-hmm. if I become an atheist? So, yeah, I'll speak. A, go ahead. yeah, go ahead, Aaron. Okay, I'll go ahead. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot. You know, when you come out of religion, you lose you lose that idea that there's some bigger force in the universe directing things. And when you lose that, it's it's it can be hard. And when you come out the other side, you realize, well, life's only going to be what I make it. And so I have to be out there uh, working for what I want in the world and taking care of myself and, you know, being, it sounds kind of cheesy, but being the change you want to see in the world. Um, We should, we definitely want to recommend you contact recovering from religion. They're a really great resource for people to contact and actually work through people that are trained to help people work through any kind of cognitive issues they may be having. You know, we're not, we're not trained therapists. Uh, so, you know, you have to take our, our advice with a grain of salt. But my my number one advice is to go find yourself another community because a lot of times religion keeps its its hooks and it's because of the of the community that it that the automatic community that it brings. Right. You show up to church and you're instantly accepted. You instantly have friends. Uh, so I would recommend go out and try and find some other communities to, yeah. to be a part mm. of. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my take on this, Cooper, real quick, because I want to tell you something, too. This uh, idea that, oh, I don't have this religion anymore. I need to replace this. Do I need to go to science? Do I need to read books? Do I need to listen to lectures? You don't have to do anything, right? There's no requirements (laughs) to what you're doing now. You just take a deep breath and you relax for a second because you're going through some stuff right now. This is an emotionally taxing time for you. This isn't a time for you to say, oh, I have to get all my ducks in a row and I have to make sure I'm doing all the right atheist things so I don't lose my atheist card. If you want to pray, you pray. If you want to talk to people about it, you talk to people about it. You got to do what's best for you at this moment. And don't worry about what other people expect for you to do. Um, Because this is a unique experience that you're going to look back on and realize, oh, wow, this is really stressful, (laughs) you know, Uh, because for a lot of people, they never even go through this. They don't even have this deconstruction that you're happening right now, where it feels like the ground is falling beneath you and you don't know where what's solid anymore. Right. Right. So like figure out your footing first. Right. You got to learn to walk before you can run again because you're entering a whole new phase of your life at this point. And uh, things will probably be different if you're really losing it all. Right. So don't worry about what you're supposed to believe or what's right or what's wrong. Just take it one day at a time and you'll get there. You know, Uh, it's it's not a race. If you enjoy listening to stuff like this, 
you enjoy the philosophy and the sciences, I say go for it, but don't yeah. don't make it seem like it's a do or die situation because it's really yeah. not. Anyway, go ahead. Go I would ahead. say I would say go ahead, go be you. Go yeah. find out who you are. That's one of the things that I've been able to discover since I've left religion is, oh, I can be whatever I want to be now. I don't have to be what the religion wants me to be. I can go right. and enjoy the things that I want to enjoy and I I can go see rated R movies. I can see uh, you know adult themed shows and I can watch porn and I can masturbate and you know and <laughs> you get all these things yeah. that that the religion didn't let you do anymore. You get to, to discover a whole new uh, part of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If I'm if I may um what a couple of different things. Uh um you know, one thing that keeps me hopeful is that once I do leave my faith behind totally, you know, is that I'll be able to embrace the idea that religion and Christ, that I, I don't have to find my eye, because it's always not sat well with me when Christians say the idea, like, you have to find your, your identity is hidden, your life is hidden with God in Christ, and you have to find your identity in who Jesus is, and let Jesus live through you, that kind of thing. That mm-hmm. seems so insulting to me. It's almost like yeah. Christ, they were saying, like, I never felt like Christ accepted my own identity. Yeah, here's like, something to think about. Me. Here's something to think about. The Apostle Paul, right, literally was involved yeah. in, like, the execution of Christians, right? Like, maybe he wasn't doing it himself, but was, you know, holding the coats of the folks who were stoning people to death. You remember that story, right? This is a story that's told. Mm-hmm. This dude got a vision mm-hmm. and ended up coming back to Christ. So apparently Christ thought this guy was good enough to talk to and come back into the fold. I imagine you're not as bad as the Apostle Paul, or at least the story he tells himself out to be. And God supposedly, right, if he's there, he loves us, right? The Christian God, if mm-hmm. he's out there. If he really loves you, and he wants that relationship with you, he will have it with you. Or better yet, if he doesn't, and there's some bigger, grander design, I would hope that if there is a good and just God, he knows my heart, and he knows my intentions, and he knows what I'm about, and he knows the stuff that I'm doing right now, that's not something that he could judge me on. Because he knows that I honestly and sincerely cannot find a reason to believe in him. And I think if he was just and he was honest, he would do the same for you too, Cooper. Because I think if you like found a good reason to believe, you would probably keep believing it, right? It would probably be easier. But right now, it sounds like you're going through a crisis of faith. And obviously, it's a very uncomfortable position to be in, right? So oh, if there is a God yeah. and if he's out there, I would you know take that perspective into account, right? Um, yeah, he'll I, find I you. Have heard that pers- uh, I have heard that perspective before. And Aaron shared it just a moment ago on the show. Like, you know, like yeah. if, if God wanted to find me, he knows where I am. He knows how to reach out to me. He knows what yeah. would get me to believe. And yeah. he's never done that. You know, yeah. like Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But it certainly feels as though I've been abandoned by him. What does he mean? He knows he'll never leave me nor forsake me in the afterlife. Well, it's hard to get away from him there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm-hmm. I, I would just like to get away from it all and make my own meaning in life. But like I, yeah. I've, I've devoted a middle aged and I've devoted most of my life. I went to seminary, wasted two years of my life there. And I've, I've devoted my whole life to, to the pursuit and study of religion. What do I do with the rest of it? Yeah. Well, let's talk about this. And I don't want to take up all the time. I want Aaron to jump in if he has something to say. But let's talk about let's talk about a little bit of mindfulness therapy. Let's talk about ACT. Okay. When we're talking about our life experiences, our life narratives, that's a very powerful thing because it can empower us to 
do the things that we want to do, or it can limit us. I noticed you used the language there. Oh, I wasted two years at seminary, right? And, and there's a, obviously a very negative connotation there. But if we practice mm-hmm. a little bit of reframing, and if we look at that and say, you know, you went to seminary, and yes, you don't believe in that anymore, but now you are uniquely qualified to talk about what it's like to go to seminary school, and you can talk to other people who have also gone to seminary school and are also struggling. And that is a very powerful thing. I can't do that. Right. Uh, Aaron can't do that. A lot of people can't do that. If you go contact the folks at uh, the uh, 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 Recovering from Religion Foundation, I guarantee you they talk to people every week <laughs> from folks who are in, struggling in seminary school or are part of a church or some parishioner. I mean, that's a that's a hugely powerful asset that you've gained that you couldn't have had without having that experience. So again, uh, using these kinds of mindfulness tools, yeah, that's not something Christianity really focuses on because Christianity wants you to have one specific thing, which is you're a sinner and you suck and you you need to get right with God. But yeah. now that you're free from that, you have the you have the ability to frame life in your own terms and choose your own purpose there and what makes sense to you and what's going to be empowering for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited for you because you're going to experience a sense of freedom mm-hmm. and the, you know the shackles are off and I would, yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you to go, to go through that. Yeah. It's going to be hard. And yeah. And as Dan said, don't, don't, don't think too negatively about your past because those are your experiences. Those were the experiences that you had and take, take the good parts from them and move forward. Uh, I was, I was raised Mormon and there's a lot about the Mormon church that I still like and admire. There's still a lot of their teachings that I like and admire. And I'm, I'm taking the good parts. I'm taking the parts that are, are, are for me and moving forward and just putting, leaving the other stuff behind that I, that I'm not too interested in anymore. Right. So what can I do moving forward? Like you guys got, you and Dan have me both pumped up. Like I'm seeing, I'm seeing hope around the corner, but like, I'm also thinking like, what do I do on my deathbed if I start to read? Cause I don't want, I want to dive into the whole atheism and like even anti-theism because I don't see religion as helping anybody. I only see it as a hindrance to people like, but, then I see, what about if on my deathbed, I feel a moment in twinge of fear, and then I reach out again for a God who isn't there. Yeah, so two things to that. You're feeling a sense of zealotry right now. This is a phase that we often talk about in the community. We call it the angry atheist phase, right? You're mentioning your anti-religious sentiments here. And while I'm not going to stress that you don't, uh, you know, you, you don't reflect on them, uh, I will say that this is probably also part of that phase and is something that you will learn to normalize and integrate into your life. You're fired up right now because you're kind of realizing you've been uh, you've been taken advantage of, right? You've been told lies yeah. about something and you've lived your life purposely in a way that was in concordance with those lives. So there's a sense that you want to help others from not being robbed of that, right? Of, of, of those potential experiences. You don't, you, you know, there's an opportunity loss there. Um, and that is noble right. and that is great. And I encourage it, but also keep in mind that uh, there is going to be a balance. Uh, you know, you, you can only keep that that energy for so long. For some people, it does last forever, uh, but that is not the vast majority, right? Uh, I'm still here. I'm still talking about the negative effects of religion, but I've also learned to balance out my life in other ways too. So don't let these thoughts consume your every waking moment, right? Part of the opportunity you have now is you get to move on and you get to live that life and you would be wasting it if you were living it in regret saying, oh, I wish I could do these things and I need to stop other people because they don't get to have these things. You're worried about the deathbed scenario. The truth is, if if we're gone, that's it, right? 
uh, at least from our perspective. Mm. So it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> if you start praying at the end of your bed, okay, that it doesn't really matter, right? It's not gonna. It's it's not like you're gonna go to a different place, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's 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 something that I don't think you have to worry about too much, honestly. Yeah, and I don't. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll admit that in times when times get rough, I kind of I don't necessarily pray, but I I I hope I hope out to the universe that things work out, right? I'm scared of dying. I know a lot of people aren't, but I, I'm scared of being on my deathbed and not knowing what's coming next. I sure, I sure hope that there's something after, but evidence says there's not, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a scary thing to contemplate. Yeah. But yeah. there's no shame in it. Yeah. It's hum- normal, normal human to be scared of, of that deathbed experience. You know, I just want to shoot out a message to your listeners, like especially your, maybe the listeners who were on the verge and doubting and then the listeners who just listen to scoff and mock, like, just keep an open mind. These guys are not just hosts for the money because they're volunteers. They are volunteers. You guys are volunteers, and you're doing this because you earnestly care. So, like, don't call in and give these guys a hard time if you're just Christian, zealot Christians who want to just give them a hard time. And if you're on the verge of leaving your faith, it's not the worst thing you can do. Like if you if you die and get to a judgeful God, an eventual God, or at least a good God, just say, "Hey, I didn't know." That's what am I, I supposed didn't know. to do? Exactly. Those are mm-hmm. good. Those are good words. I didn't know. Yeah, Cooper, I am going to let you go because uh, we are over time well, on this call here. But I uh, I do appreciate you calling in, and I and I thank you for sharing your experience with us. I hope uh, you continue to find that peace that you're looking after. Uh, but remember, there's a lot of people. You, can, if you look, if you don't believe me, you can look in the live chat right now who are sending love your way yep. and who are also on your side. So uh, happy trails to you and and good luck on your journey. Uh, yep, good luck. Normally, I, I try to take each call for about ten minutes. When calls like that come in, I usually go a little longer, and it's because if you're going in a place like that. You kind of need a little bit of time to just kind of vent a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a tough uh, spot to be in. It's a tough spot to be in. Your, yeah. your, your whole conception of what life is about and your meaning and your community and your connection, right? It's just, it's all gone out the window. It's a really hard spot to be in. So It's I, a super hard spot to be in. And and I, and I appreciate folks who are being open about those experiences. Yeah. Um, especially feeling like they can be open here. Uh, that is, that is uh, it means a lot that you can uh, trust us with yeah, that I appreciate story. the call. Yes, thank you so much. Um, real quickly, I do have to talk about uh, some of the ways you can support the ACA. We have a campaign that's going on right now that you might be interested in. Uh, so we're going to play the video for that uh, right now. Have you ever wanted to make a permanent impact on the atheist community of Austin? Help support our space for free thought by buying a custom engraved brick to be laid on the building grounds to help raise funds for improvements. Our building has stood as a beacon for years, bringing people together. But three years of emptiness due to the pandemic have taken a toll, leaving it in disrepair. Help us restore this hub of connection and support by buying a brick. Moses had his stone tablets, but we're doing our own version. Join our brick fundraiser and let your engraved messages stand the test of time, minus commandments. Visit tiny.cc forward slash ACA bricks for more information. Yeah, so think about getting a brick if you like, because uh, that's a way you can support the ACA. Another way you can support the ACA is through Super Chats. And we do have a Super Chat that I get to read right now, because if you give a Super Chat, we will read them on the air. This is from Jimmy Jr., who gives $4.99 and says, Bigfoot is just an alien that was left behind. And so he built the pyramids to try and phone home, which is a very funny uh, collage 
of different things there. And I like that image. So thank you, Jimmy Jr. Um, for that image. Um, oh, I think technically, I think technically that would be a Yeti since there it's on the other side of the world, right? And the, aren't the Yetis on those continents? Is that how unless, that works? Unless, unless Bigfoot is a really good swimmer. Is it like, so, so is it the hemisphere or is it just like the side of the earth that determines Bigfoot to Yeti? I think it's the oceans. <laughs> is it the oceans? Okay. Is it, a dip? I, I'm not going to ask you more questions about nonsense, but uh, yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that, uh, that makes sense. Um, one other thing before I keep going here, uh, you can also support the show by becoming a member. You get emojis in the chat. If you do that and your name gets highlighted in the chat and you'll be immune to the slow mode. You do it for as little as 99 cents per month. So check that out if you haven't already. Okay. Hello. It is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So uh, I said I want to try to get to everybody. I do have a lot of calls, and we ended up taking longer than I thought on that call. Again, that is perfectly fine. I'm perfectly happy to go longer for calls like that. But uh, what we're gonna, I'm still going to try to get to everybody if I can. So if that means we'll go over a little overtime today, we'll see. But from here on out, I am going to be trying to speed things up a bit. Um, so let's do this. Next, we're going to talk to Baked Alaska, who's calling in from New York. Baked Alaska, you've called in before. And last time, you scared me because I thought you were the infamous like Nazi guy, Baked Alaska. But you're not. You're like a different <laughs> Baked Alaska, which I don't know why you keep the name. But uh, that's your business, I guess. What's going on, Baked Alaska? Yeah, what's up, man? <clears throat> um, so, uh, okay, so this is what I wanted to talk about. Um, I was curious what you guys thought was maybe the, the, the top or maybe your, your best argument for God not existing. Um, and okay. the reason I ask is just because what I did, um, the, the way I basically became a theist was by looking at the arguments and the evidence on both, on basically both sides. Like I watched a lot of debates and things like that. And I ended up just basically uh, falling on the side that uh, the arguments were better uh, for God existing than, than the opposite. Um, so that's, that's why I ask. It's, you know, a constant learning process for me. So I was curious what, uh, what your guys' views were. Sure. Uh, Aaron, you want to take this first? Yeah, I'll, I can take this first. So my argument is that there's too many gods. That if God was real, that there would be a consistent story from all for all of human history, from uh, the beginning all the way down to now, a consistent message, a consistent story. But there are too many religions out there for there to be a, a single God that that has a single message to share with us. And they all started. They all start at different periods of time, and they all end at different periods of time. That, that would be my best argument. It's a damn. Okay. Um, can I ask a follow-up question about that? Yeah. Okay. Do Do you think um the, they're man? Do you basically think they're man-made religions? The other like the the all these different religions, right? Yeah, I I take the position 
that uh, religions are man-made. Yeah. Okay. So if, like, for example, Christianity was true, why would it invalidate Christianity if, if other people just started making up their own religions? It, it wouldn't necessarily, but the Christian religion technically started with Jesus Christ. Uh, if you look back in, in, those, in all the early writings, there were several different flavors of Christianity. Uh, some of them rejected the Old Testament. Some of them accepted the New Testament and the Old Testament. Uh, some of them mixed the two, mixed it and, and kind of remixed it and made it their own. And, uh, and even Christian, and then Christianity came out of Judaism and even Judaism, it had a beginning, uh, but human history was way before Judaism. If God, if the Jew, if the Jew, if the Jewish God was real, how can we waited until 5,000 years before Jesus was born to, to make an appearance, you know, because human history, what 10,000 years recorded to human history, 10, 12,000 years, something like that. I mean, why did he wait 7,000 years to make an appearance? You're saying, why did he wait? Why did God wait for Jesus? Like the 5,000 years you're saying in reference to Jesus, right? Yeah, why, or why did he make, well, Christianity comes out of Judaism, so why did he wait until Moses, right? Why did, uh, to well, make an appearance? There, right? I mean, that's, there's, there's, or Abraham I mean, or Christians have, right. I mean, I've heard like apologetic explanations for that, um, that are based upon, not in terms of the number of years, but in terms of the population of the world. And that for conditions to be ripe for uh, Jesus's message to take uh, to take hold, right? And so there was relative stability in, the, in that area of the world. Um, actually, only a tiny percentage of the world's population had has actually had actually existed prior to Jesus uh, Jesus's birth, right? right. And so, like, um, so from that perspective, it's not like that. It's not really that early on in the history of humanity that that Jesus came. Um, Let's talk about this. How old do you I'm think sorry. humanity is? It was, it, it was very early on. I'm sorry. It was very early on. Sorry to interrupt you, Baked Alaska. How old do you think humanity is? I think humanity is somewhere around approximately like 500,000 to like 750,000 years old. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, that's. Depending on what you mean by humans, right? Obviously, there's differences in how anthropologists talk about. It. Yeah, I, I'd say that's that that's a, at least a fair summation. You could say uh, that's a perspective. That's a that's a long time. I mean, even if we're talking about like and, and just to bolster Aaron's point here, right? You're right in that technically, yes, population sizes are not going to be matched up with uh, population sizes in like a post agricultural society, right? We're talking about hunter gatherer groups, very small, right? But we are talking about a lot of people that are unsaved. And before that, of course, if we're following a materialist understanding of history, if we're looking at um, the world from that perspective, we're also seeing human beings evolve, right? We're, we're, we're seeing human beings coming from another animal, right? And still being animals themselves. I mean, does that align in your worldview as well? Well, I mean, my, I tend, I do tend to think, and, and there's actually been some, some literature out recently on this, uh, dating uh, Adam, Adam and Eve back to um, that, those, those prehistoric times, um, so I don't, I don't think there's really, there, I don't think there needs to be any inconsistency with what like the science tells us and what like the Christian, uh, worldview says. Um, I, I think they, they, they can line up there. Um, but just in terms of the, the other point Aaron mentioned, I mean, Aaron, don't you think that the fact that so many people all over the world in all different societies, like believe in God, I mean, isn't that generally evidence of something being true? I mean, do we generally desire something? that doesn't exist. I believe that, um, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know on how, I'm not sure how innate a belief in God is to human beings. I'm not sure if I'm aware of any studies that, that would, um, uh, 
that have, that have studied that have come to an understanding of that. I think we're emotion. We're mammals, so we're emotion. We're emotional creatures. We're we have emotions, and emotions kind of rule the day as far as we're concerned. Um, to kind of you know push us to and fro with their silliness. <laughs> and so I think yeah. there's probably an emotional component to wanting to believe in some higher power. Um, like the previous caller, you know, there, there's something when things get tough and rough, that's just, I think it's normal to, to reach out to something to want to feel connected to something um, out there to, to make it better, to solve the problem, uh, to improve things. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something out there actually listening or even capable of listening. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. It doesn't necessarily, yeah, I, I would agree. It doesn't necessarily mean that, but I just think that an inference could be drawn. Um, that it may, because we generally don't desire things that don't exist. Yeah, just, I, I just kind of steer. Right? I just kind of steer away from making those. Don't. I just kind of make steer away from making those inferences because um, if God really wanted to know us, He was there. He He'd make it a little clearer. I think I, I I would I'd want if I was in God's position and I wanted people to know that I I existed, I'd make it a little clearer and not not like people depend depend on emotional inferences. Right. So, no, this is a good point, and I think this is actually one of the better, like, uh, objections, um, is, is, like, divine hidden as why, why isn't it more clear that God exists? And I think there the question is whether, for some subset of people, whether even if they were given more evidence, whether they would believe, right, whether they would come, go into a saving relationship with God. Um, so that's that's sort of independent, right, of what the level of evidence is like if you guys if you guys knew god existed would you worship him if we're talking about yahweh no uh i don't think he'd be worthy of worship but there's different concepts of the christian god so it kind of depends okay so why so assume let's just stick with christianity why would god need to provide you more evidence if you're you're already you're not going to worship him you're not going to go into a saving relationship with him right so what would be the purpose of god providing you more evidence so you could sperm well, I mean, if he wants me to acknowledge his existence and at least consider it, he has to be there, right? Just because I wouldn't worship him doesn't mean other people wouldn't. I don't know why he would have to be divinely hidden from me uh, and also divinely hidden from those that would worship him. Well, but that's but that's the issue, right? Like because he's not divinely hidden for for other sub, other sets of people. So we're just talking about the subset of people that don't believe in him, and then. Yeah. The question becomes right, and yeah, I would I would counter. Why is God hidden to some but not to others? Yeah, like that's why weird. The why do the entire why do the aborigines don't get to be go to heaven, right? Or, or or don't get to have a relationship with the Christian God? You know, like why is it that a particular sect of people within the Middle East? And then more broadly after that, uh, you know, the Western world gets to have a relationship with God. But folks in indigenous communities around the world, uh, even post-Christianity's, you know, rise as a global power, still don't have an acknowledgement that even he's a thing, right? To me, that seems strange. To me, if anything, that points to the locality of the religion, right? The locality of the phenomenon. I think that gives evidence to Christianity being a cultural tradition in a local human idea rather than a divine one. Well, I mean, 
there's there seems to be like a tension here because like earlier Aaron was saying like because there's all these different religions that's a reason not to believe in Christianity. Yes. But then when we find examples of like people not having a religion, that's a that's a reason not to believe in Christianity, right? And so like I, I don't I don't think you could. I'm not saying like you guys are doing this, but I'm just saying like I don't think you could have it both ways, right? Well, like, I think Aaron's point was there Mark, needs to be a consistency within the Christian story, right? There seems to be an inconsistency in the narrative at which Christianity portrays its origins and specifically Judaism as well, versus what seems to be the apparent case in reality. Like you were talking about how scientists have, uh, can trace ourselves back to Adam and Eve. I'm not sure about like those kinds of specific claims, but I don't think that's a view that Aaron has or that I have. I, I think the history that Christianity portrays itself as having doesn't necessarily line up with the historical reality. Um, and it seems to be more of a local phenomenon. At least I, I don't want to put words in Aaron's mouth, but I'm oh, assuming yeah. that's it. It seems most yeah. religions are local phenomenon, which would yeah. lead me to believe that there's not a universal God speaking to people universally. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd have the same God appearing in different cultures across continents, uh, across time, and you just don't you just don't see that. You see religions starting with specific groups of people and going from there and spreading. Mm-hmm. As because uh, uh, if you and I were to sit down and we were to design, we, we were designed as a system. Okay, we're God, and we want our children to um, to follow, learn about us, and follow us. We could come up with about a million different ways of doing that that are better than the current way that God supposedly is using. So you could come up with a better way that people would be able to freely choose to go into a saving relationship with God. I than, think so. And w- 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 how would that be accomplished? By sending the same message to uh, the same places on the earth at the same time, maybe by um, by making sure that false messages don't get spread um, by actually making sure that there's no hit divine hiddenness that if some that everybody gets a message that there's a consistent, repeatable, reliable way for everybody to come to know that God exists and is real instead of having a certain subset select group of people that get to have those experiences and other people that don't get to have those experiences. And then people can choose from themselves where they want, whether they want to enter into that relationship or not. And there's still, there's still, there's no, there's no proof. There's, there's high suggestions of it because of all these, you know, unique things that are happening at the same time across the world, but it's, there's no, uh, yeah, that's off the top of my head. Right. Well, I think a lot of, I think a lot of, some of those things that you mentioned at least are, are consequences of free, like free will and people, um, uh, choosing to, to go their own path, right? So there's nothing like, God can't make people freely do things. Oh, no, yeah, I totally agree so with that. It's either, yeah, so there, I think so. I think that's that's part of it. But um, so, but be, besides like hidden, uh, divine hiddenness and um, the other thing we mentioned, like, is there any other compelling, uh, objectively, Dan, why did you say you wouldn't worship God even if you knew he existed? Well, uh, first, let me say, when it comes to the free will thing, right? Uh, yes, you could argue that a free will component is there. Let's say for the sake of argument, free will is a thing, right? Um, the choice still has to be there. The choice isn't there for me right now. I can't even choose to have a relationship with God if I don't think he's real, right? Um, it's it's kind of like, can I choose to believe the earth is flat? I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm kind of compelled to believe that the earth isn't because I have an understanding of evidence 
I have an understanding of science. I have an understanding of uh, philosophy. I have an understanding of a lot of subjects that like prevent me from having that belief. I could like, if, if I said that the earth was flat, I'd be pretending it wouldn't be true to my beliefs. So I would not want to pretend with a God belief either. Even if I thought it was the right thing to do, I want to be something that I have a genuine belief in. So I'll start with that first. But yeah. when talking about not worshiping him, um, I, I choose the position as an atheist to mean that I don't know what a God is until somebody defines it for me, right? Um, I can't evaluate the God claim until somebody gives me a God claim to work with. So if you say God is just nature, okay, yeah, I believe in nature. I guess that means I believe in God, right? Um, we have a tendency in philosophy, particularly Western philosophy, to talk about the Christian God. And I think that that is a sort of leftover from, you know, uh, a history of Christianity, like, being so inundated with philosophical literature, like just in part of the culture, that it's kind of a holdout from that. And so to be fair to other God claims, I have to be like, well, I have to evaluate it first. But if we're talking about the Christian God and why I wouldn't mm -hmm. uh, worship him, uh, the classical Christian God seems to me to violate every intuition I have about what is right and what is wrong. Now, maybe I don't know what right and wrong is. Maybe it's just my human concepts. And maybe it has no meaning. But if I were to be a judge, or if I were to have some understanding, some semblance of what right and wrong is, uh, I can't, again, choose that, right? It's something that I just believe or I don't believe. And I do have a sense of what is right and wrong. And I think the Christian God has violated that <laughs> on many, many different accounts, both Old and New Testament versions of of that god uh so because of that violation i don't think he's worthy of worship i'm not sure if there's a being that's like worthy of worship anyway i think the concept of worship is kind of weird in itself um but i would at least not follow their tenets right i don't think the christian formula is the good recipe is a good recipe to make a good person in other words um I think it can lead you to problematic ideas. So uh, that's why I wouldn't follow him. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, um, if, if for the sake of argument, like the, that not only was it like established that God existed, but the Christian God existed in terms of like, which the, the, the concept, obviously the Christian God is like that God is all good, right? If you mm -hmm. knew that God was all good, would you, would you worship him then? If, if I knew that God was all good, then I must have a different understanding of what good is than what I understand it to be now. Yeah. God would have some explaining okay. to do. So that's, it's kind of difficult well, for me to say. It's possible. kind of like saying, what would, what would, fit, what would uh, water do in the universe where physics is different? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not there. You know what I mean? I'm in this but, universe. Well, I, I, guess what I'm get, I guess what I'm getting at, do you think it's possible that something's gotten lost? Like, could something be lost in translation, right? Like, if, for example, God exists and he is all good, and and we just take that like you know um, as a pre like as a as a presuppos presupposition, um, mm -hmm. then something's gotten lost in translation, like either in the way things were written in the Old Testament or the New Testament, right? If he yes. was all good, would you then? Do you think then that it, uh, would if you he was all good, then the Bible is not a reliable account of who God is. And so, in that sense, I really don't know who God is. Then, yeah, I, 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 let's assume that. Let's assume the Bible's not correct, but yeah. you know that there's a supreme being that created the universe, and he's all, he's perfect, and he's all good, morally speaking. Would you worship in them? Yeah, maybe, but I, would I even be a Christian at that point? Okay. 
Okay. Because, uh, okay. like, if we're saying the Bible is straight up wrong, I don't know what that says about the Jesus narrative. I don't know what that says about a lot of Christian theology, right? So I may not even be a Christian at that point. I may be something else. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that, what we think, right, there's a book called um, Is God a Moral Monster? Right, because mm-hmm. a lot of the things in the Old Testament like um, raise these questions, like they do. I mean, Christians have struggled with these issues for you know centuries. Um, but um, so I don't think there's really that much of a difference between us, because like I'm sure the things that you find objectionable, like morally, like I do as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure our morals are very probably 99 percent or nine. I shouldn't say 99, but like 90 percent aligned, right? So there has to be something that's like. I guess what I'm saying is, like, there's there's explanation. What we have in common, you mean? Yeah, like, I'm sure, like, I'm sure, like, you seem like a good guy. Obviously, we we don't know each other. We've never met or anything. We don't, but, like, I'm sure, like, you're a good person. (laughs) Yeah, and so, like, I don't think, like, the things that bother you that are in the Bible, like, they would bother me, too, right? If they cannot be explained. If there's no way of contextualizing them. and yeah. So, well, our explanations well, will be different, though. Here's here's my take on this, Baker. Sorry to interrupt you because uh, I don't mean to cut you short. We do have to. We have a bunch of calls here. But yeah. here's the thing, right? In my point of view, the reason why I think you and I might share a lot of moral intuitions uh, is because we both grew up in 21st century America, right? Uh, I think like we have a lot of secular values that we probably have in common, um, and I think our perspectives are probably going to be different if we grew up in a different time and place, right? Uh, same thing with our objections of the Bible. If you're able to find something that gives you peace with your interpretation of the Bible, uh, more power to you. But my interpretation and explanation is that this is made up by people, and that's what gives me peace about it, right? I don't have to say, well, I think maybe there's a mistranslation here, or maybe the message isn't getting through, or maybe the Bible um, isn't just an accurate depiction, or maybe I'm not getting the right, uh, you know, understanding of what's going on. I can just rest happy and say, yeah, I think it was all made up from the beginning, (laughs) you know? And so there's going to be a difference there in in how we have that understanding. I don't need the Bible to have an understanding of morality, thankfully. And I I don't think you do too, either for the record. I don't think any Christian does. Um, But I don't have to rely on the Bible for anything, honestly, other than what the Bible says, which is also weird because there's different understandings of what even that is. So I don't know, but I'll let you say some well, final thoughts before is. we let you go. Yeah, sure. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the conversation as always. I mean, I, I, I guess I would just leave you and, and uh, the, the, the listeners with um, that, uh, that reference to that book uh, is God a moral monster. I think it was written by Paul Copin um, because um, I feel like, we all are kind of on the search for truth and we have to keep an open mind. And a lot of the objections that we have, there are answers to the objections. We may not find them convincing, but a lot of times people don't even know they they're out there. Right. And they just hear things Mm -hmm. and they don't, they're not inclined to like take the step to be like, like, am I um, to, to falsify their own views? Like, I think you have to proactively try to falsify your own views um, that was what prompted me to call in and ask you guys for your, you know, arguments against God existing, et cetera. Um, but of course we're all biased and, you know, I, 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 that's the challenge, right? Like we all have a, a sort of a position established of, of sorts. And I, I think you can change it. I mean, ultimately I think you can, I've heard people say like, you don't choose your beliefs. I think you kind of do though, in a way based upon like how open you are to changing them. Um, so 
unless you guys had anything else, I could leave uh, you and go back to the, the wonderful chat. Sounds good, Baked Alaska. I do appreciate you calling in. Uh, tell you what, I will check out the book. I see it's on uh, Amazon. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a look through, and then maybe next time you call in, I can have a more informed opinion about what I think about it. So we can go from there. Sound good? Awesome. Nope. And I think Thanks. I Thanks. think he's got. Oh, there he is. Okay, there you go, Baked Alaska. Uh, I'll see you next time. Uh, yeah, what'd you think of that call, Aaron? I thought that was a really good call. Good questions and good back and forth. Yeah. Bagel Alaska's called him before. Yeah, recognize uh, his voice. Recognize his voice from the. I uh, every hosts have different ideas about Baked Alaska's takes on things. I I appreciate his willingness to call into the show and share his point of view. Uh, I obviously disagree. I, I won't yeah. I won't harp on that too much. Um, and I will check out the book. But even if I was able to justify a lot of the moral atrocities, uh, which I consider to be uh, true still of the Bible, that's still a different question of whether God exists yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. I know he wanted at one point we wanted he wanted us to just uh, to accept that God is good. Yeah, okay, we'll grant you that. But I can't I actually can't do that in reality, because I think any hidden God is by definition not a good God. Mm, yeah, there is something to be said about that, too. And I will read the book and I will see, you know. It's not my first rodeo with apologetics, but uh, yeah, it is a separate question entirely uh, as to whether or not he still exists. I mean, I can still find justifications. We can write a story about a perfect God. It doesn't mean that he's real, right? That's still a a whole different question. Um, But uh, I do want to be familiar with what's out there. So I'll take a look at it. Uh, But man, I have so many calls here. Aaron and I said I was going to try to get to all, <laughs> and 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 <laughs> that one also went a little long, and it's like oh my gosh, so many things happening here. Um, so I will do this plug really really quick. We have a limited edition T-shirt every month, as you know. If you want to check out what's there this month, you should go to tiny.cc/merchaca. If you look on the screen in just a second, it'll be there. We've got if the Earth was really flat, how does it wear its pants? Uh, I don't know. How does it wear its pants? It keeps me up at night. It keeps me up at night, too. This is uh, going to be in the store for one more day tomorrow. And then we got a new shirt next month, which I'm really excited about. But check out all the merch that we have on there as well. Hopefully it's the to. J. Mike face, double face palm. We should have a J. Mike shirt. I'd wear a, a shirt with J. Mike's face on it. That'd be pretty funny. Um, and really quickly as well, I need to talk about uh, if you want to listen to our audio only shows, you can go to tiny.cc slash AEN podcasts for all the latest ACA shows. Uh, sorry for the audio listeners, because we did do a, a picture caption this, but again, shout out to all my podcast listeners. I'm I'll, a podcast listener too, so. Shout out to the podcast listeners that you're a real one. Okay. You're a real one. But Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have a bunch of people who still want to talk to us. So let's 
keep this train a moving. Let's do it. We have a couple different people who want to talk to us, but we're going to talk to R, who is calling from unknown. R, you are live on Truth Wanted. What's up? Bear with me. I'm just eating some plant-based beefless bulgogi, and I know you're Hell a vegan yeah. also. Hell yeah. Rock it. And by the Rock way, it, regarding... <laughs> Excellent. I want to call in on a, a Sunday when... Um, uh, Richard Gilliver is there because I want to refute his and rebut his um, take on veganism, but that's another thing. Listen, oh, listen, I know Richard's take on veganism is bad, okay? All right, listen, all the oh, vegans, we all know this in our hearts. One day I will champion you. I will, but today is not that day. We fight We fight to, to live another day. Anyway. I I know it not just in my heart, but in my head. I have logical arguments for it, but that's another, that another call. And by the that way, Bakes Alaska's claim that we choose our beliefs I choose to believe he's wrong. That's a hot take. I agree. I think that's a hot take. Um, but uh, no, I, I, w- he's not here to defend himself. So uh, we'll we'll leave it to the next time we talk to him. But R, what do you got for us today? Sure. Okay. So I want to express some skepticism that Newton and other scientists of his age may not actually have been theists. Mm. And I'll tell you why. And I'm not making the claim that he was an atheist, but... He was a genius, and he knew what the consequences would be if he were publicly atheist, which usually involved some form of being tortured to death. He knew what Galileo before him went through just for postulating a heliocentric solar system without even declaring atheism. And to compare, I live in a deep blue state in what's supposed to be a secular democracy Yet even I don't want to give my name and location on an internet show out of a realistic concern that I might not be employed as a school teacher. That's fair. Uh, and I'm not sure that, that, that he was an atheist. That's why I'm, that's why I'm giving my, my initial as an as R. Okay. I'm not saying that Newton and others of his age were atheists because that would be an unfalsifiable claim. But I think um, when people say that he was a theist, let alone a Christian, I think it ought to be viewed with a healthy dose of skepticism, given what the consequences would be if he had not claimed to be Christian. And I wonder what okay. your take is on this. I actually disagree with you, uh, but specifically about Newton, because Newton mm-hmm. was wild. First of all, my head canon Newton, uh, probably autistic. Uh, and I don't mean that as a joke. I think he uh, I think a lot of people have postulated that. He had very particularly fine and narrow interests. One of those being he would literally like cut out pieces of the Bible that he thought were like uh, interesting and would try to discover like hidden messages and stuff within that. Um, I just don't think that's something an atheist would do. Yeah, I I read a bio of of Newton. So, um, but, um, you know, if if you're going to pretend to be something, go all the way. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I don't know if he has to pretend. That's a pretty uh, high level. That's a pretty that's a pretty high commitment. Yeah, I think I think like I think Newton in particular has written enough about Christianity, kind of like Spinoza. Like Spinoza, uh uh same thing. I feel I feel like um when we're, we're talking about um oh my god, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting my famous white people uh that contributed to good things in Western civilization. But like 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 Newton in particular was was really weird about his religion because and this is a fun fact to know about Newton. He didn't believe in the Trinity. Uh, he like had his own beliefs, 
And I know this because every time you read a biography about Newton, they like vaguely describe him as a deist because his beliefs were just so like non-standard that it's hard to kind of put him in one box. But I, I, I bring up like his uh, possible autism diagnosis or whatever, because like, I, I, I think one, he didn't feel the need to fit into the norm. Um, and I think he just like everything, you know, about Newton's life, he was just kind of doing his own thing. I don't think Newton would have had a problem of saying, yeah, I don't believe in this. Uh, I, I, I think he would have just said it honestly, no, but I didn't know the guy. All I know is just reading about him. If there's one thing that's uh, true about Newton is that he was definitely a genius. He definitely had a lot of thoughts about a lot of stuff. And he had a lot of thoughts about Christianity. And and to my knowledge, he has never actually said he doesn't believe that Christianity is true. If anything, I think he said the opposite. I, I think if you didn't really believe in your heart, you'd probably be silent on the subject. I imagine you wouldn't write so much as he did about it. Um, so he's a he's a weird guy. But I don't know. That's my take. What do you think, Aaron? I don't I don't know much about Newton. Uh, I know Apple named a device after him, I think. And there are units of force named after him. Yeah. And uh, he laid the foundations for modern day. I know physics, astrophysics, cosmology. I'm not sure what the field of study that but his laws of motion and all that, uh, you know, pretty, pretty genius uh, things. And then he got really interested in light for a while. Yeah, and yeah. then and then I guess toward the end of his life, he got obsessed with uh, uh, alchemy and trying to change change things to like lead into gold and things like that. Um, but I, I, uh, I kind of think people are at the f- fundamental lazy. And so I don't think he would go, I don't think people would go to too much trouble to try and deceive everybody that to actively deceive people that, that he's, that you're Christian. I think you just wouldn't say anything. I think that's the more likely, uh, course of action for someone to take if they're pretending, if they're trying to hide their atheism, it's just not to say anything. And then, you know, keep going to church and keep saying that you're, uh, you believe, but not, you know, cutting yeah, things out of your Bible and some private numbers. writings. If you're as a prolific a writer, right? Because like we know, like Abraham Lincoln had doubts, for example, and we know this because we have those private writings. I don't, I don't think there's any evidence of that for Newton, but I'm not an expert. I could be wrong. Yeah. What do you say to that? Are well, I, I, you know? Go ahead. No, I was, oh, I was turning the time right. over to you. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. Well, I, I you know, when you make those, uh, when you say that about Newton in particular, I think those are actually rather convincing arguments. So okay. I, gotta, I have to bow to your arguments on Newton, not necessarily about other great thinkers of his age, uh, particularly scientists. Yeah, that might be true. That might be true. Um, but there's a very famous painting of, uh, of Newton by William Blake. And if you've ever seen this painting, it's, it's, it's this weird sort of thing. Newton's kind of sitting down in this chair, and there's these kind of fantastical things happening around him. But he's looking at um, this sort of paper, and he's like, he's doing math and stuff on it. And so the idea behind this painting, that this, that this critique almost that William Blake is making, is that with such a brilliant mind, he was super focused. He was, he was very much paying attention to the things that was right in front of him and maybe not even seeing all the crazy stuff that was happening around him. I, I think that's true to Newton's life. And I think if he had any sort of thing against Christianity, I think there would be more evidence of it than what currently exists. Uh, but that's my Newton facts. I don't know. Newton facts. Yeah. Okay. Actually, towards the end of his life, he was the master of the Royal Mint. I didn't know if you knew that. No, he I didn't. He had a government bureaucracy job. <clears throat> yeah. Um, on the on the last um, thing, real quick. Um, yeah, real quick. Of um, being a a, te- a teacher, I once taught in a school district where signs were required to be posted in every classroom in every room in the school district that said "In God We Trust." Mm-hmm. 
And I got around that by posting the sign on the bulletin board, but with the blank side facing outward. Huh, nice. Yeah. So, so it just a, looks like well, a blank Civil disobedience there. Civil disobedience. Yeah, well. Rebel I, against the system. I, I followed the rule. <clears throat> I followed the rule. They didn't say what side the, the, the sign had to be facing. All right, I'll let you go because yeah. I know you got a zillion other people. Yes, we do. Thank you, R. Thank you for respecting our time on that. We do appreciate it. Um, real quick, since I do want to talk to at least one or two other people, crew is good to go over time. Austin, okay, we're going to go a little bit over time here. I want to let you guys know, if you're going to be in the Austin area on October 29th, 2023, you should come for the live broadcasting of Talk Even and the Atheist Experience. Doors open at noon, and we hope to see you there. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. What about Truth Wanted? Because, guys, spooky season is coming up. Um, and as of yet, I have no Halloween announcements as of yet. Um, that might change next week or later. We'll see. But as of yet, well, I'm not making any announcements as what we're doing for this year. Any word uh, so, from uh, Rob Boss? He might I'm make an appearance. Keeping my lips sealed. Okay. okay. All right. Leaving it at that. My cousin Rob Boss, we'll see if he uh, if he can make it. But uh, and if I, my if I, I, we're going over time. So if I suddenly turn into a pumpkin, I apologize in advance. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that warning ahead of time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, we're going to talk to Sumartono. Please correct me if I'm saying your name wrong. From Indonesia, uh, Sumartono. Is that how you say yeah. your name? Please. Yeah, that is exactly yeah. how my name is pronounced. Hell yes. I got it right first time. Sumartono, well what's going on? Uh, yeah, I'm a deist, uh, D, as in a joke. And yeah. uh, I think consciousness is entirely material. Hence, all our decisions, opinions, attitudes, ideologies are dictated by the biological machinations that is explained in neuroscience. Hence, no one has any agency over whether they wish to be safe or not, like most theists claim. And people back then were okay with misogyny, racism, slavery, sexual slavery, judicial duels, capital punishment. Does that mean that most people back then were not good people? Uh, no, but simply they were more people who carried the genes of authoritarianism, submissiveness, etc. So we never had any moral revolution per se, but simply those with biological predisposition towards individualism and personal liberty have gained in quantitative dominance that slavery is now criminalized and frowned upon. 
So are we morally superior? Uh, can atheists claim moral superiority over, say, the Bible, fundamental Christians, uh, whom are famous for you know, promoting slavery, that kind of stuff? No, there is no morality. It's just different breeds of people, much like there are different species or different planets. That's why it's been thousands of years, and yet wickedness, if you can call it that, still exists. That's what I think is something that stems from hard determinism. Okay, interesting. A lot of thoughts there. Uh, there. There's a couple different routes we could go with this. Uh, when we talk about morality, we could start there. I don't know, Eric, is there some way you want to start in particular? Because there's a couple different ways we can go with this conversation. No, talking about morality sounds fine. Yeah, Morality, and then maybe we'll talk about dualism, because I think it sounds like you have a dualist point of view of consciousness uh, in the mind, which is interesting as well. But but the morality thing is interesting, and I want to talk about it because Baked Elastic kind of brought this up too. We kind of have this idea, almost like, there is a, a sense of moral progress that sometimes people refer to. And some people cite this as evidence of some kind of objective morality. They say, well, if, if history seems to progress, if we seem to say, oh, well, the things we did yesterday were bad, and we continue to sort of grow in understanding of what it means for things to be bad or good, then we must be reaching some sort of objective and some sort of goal. This is an interesting idea. I think if you were to argue for an objective morality, I think this would be strong evidence for that case. And if I was making that case, I, I would cite that first. I used to think that this was convincing as well, but I think, and I think I'm agreeing with you in this supertono, is that I think morality is a human construct. I think it does come from people's sense of values and that comes from their cultures, from their sense of time and place. Um, and also their sense of how they reason. Cause I also think people's sense of reason and rationality change over time as well. Um, so does that mean there's a convergence on a culture, are we, if, if we're all able to reason, doesn't that mean that there's something objective? I'm not necessarily uh, convinced that that's the case either. Um, I think that even in our reasoning, we still have emotional, uh, you know, uh, harbors that we fall back on. We sort of post-rationalize a lot of things that we do. Um, so I, I do think it's kind of more tied to a time and place even more than it is to some you know, morality that's outside of ourselves. I think uh, we, we learn to grow and advance and learn and, and educate ourselves. Um, and that's going to inform us. But if I didn't have the same values that I do, I would have a different sense of morality. Uh, and I think that that is ultimately going to be what determines what I think is good and bad, what I value and what I don't. Uh, what do you think? Agree, disagree? Mm, yeah, I think it's all a human construct. That's what I've been saying. And I think yeah. uh, if there is such thing as God, he never really made such thing as morality. And, you know, it's very much different from the regular theistic claim that there is a moral interventionist God who dictates this and that when it comes to human morality. But I don't think there is such thing as that. Uh, it's all constructed by the people of, you know, the, in the early days, but they were pretty much still made by humans and God themselves never intended there is a one moral code for human beings. You simply, oh, there was no such thing. Yeah. 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 I agree. It's, it's a human construct and uh, you can just look at the, if, if, if there was a, a really an absolute objective morality that God was dictating, then that would have been announced first thing. And we wouldn't have all the changes in, in our morality in that you can see in the Bible and between the Old and the New Testaments and between uh, early church and current churches and current beliefs and current morality. It just wouldn't it wouldn't be changing. There'd be some um, beginning absolute standard that we could we could point to. And we can't we can't do that. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. 100% agree with that. I think we're all on the same page here, Sumartono. Uh, so there you go. Now, the deism thing, <laughs> that is interesting. What makes you a deist rather than, say, an atheist or a theist? Uh, well, um, that's the thing. I used to be an atheist. Well, I was a Muslim from uh, 15 years. I, I'm sorry. I, I was a Muslim from where I was born. And then by the age of 15, I grew out of it because of, well, uh, I was inquisitive and I had access to information, thankfully. And, and then I realized, I'm now 20, 25, I realized that uh, maybe a theistic uh, God is in order. You know, I am still an agnostic in this, in that I don't, I don't claim, uh, I'm not certain in anything. But my reasoning is this. If you were to take a computer from the modern days, just your average desktop PC, a time travel that thing back into the past, say, the 1900s, right? And would the clever, smartest scientist of that time be able to make sense and understand what it is? Well, I don't think they would. They would see it's a giant, big, ugly box and they can't really make sense of it because the idea of electricity hasn't been a thing yet. And uh, let alone all the uh, different algorithms and, you know, uh, computer science that happens in a, in a computer. And, and uh, God is like, hundred or infinitely more complex than a computer. So I don't think any, uh, even the smartest civilized uh, advanced civilization that could ever exist may be able to understand God the same way those 1900 scientists would not be able to understand something from the 2000, uh, from the future, okay. you know. Can I interrupt you? Can I ask you, um, how do you know that there is a God to understand? Um, well, I'm not really, I don't proclaim that there is a God. I am okay. uh, open to the idea there is a God because by design, uh, God is this, well, God is this unprovable and God is this, uh, is this complex, infinitely complex machine that human beings will not be able to spend this type identify or make sense of. We cannot study God the same way we can study grass or uh, erosion or whatever. So by design, God is not supposed to be understandable. And if God is that powerful, then he has all the might, all the powers to erase his trace, uh, hide himself behind all the curtains he wants, because he is God. That is what he is by design. And we can't do anything about that. I think that's an interesting idea, but let me posit something for you. Um, I am not an expert at math by any means, um, but I do know a few things, right? I can know how to add. I know how to subtract. I know how to multiply. I know how to divide. And from my understanding, what people who are smarter than me say is that pretty much all the rest of math, like the most advanced stuff that you see when you, you get into calculus, when you get into trigonometry, when you get into 4D shapes, when you get into all the stuff and beyond, it's just more complicated variations of those simple things, right? It's just like those simple things kind of done multiple times in, in different ways and in different orders, right? Uh, so my point with this being, mm. is it possible that if there is a God or if there's something that started us, maybe they could be simple. Maybe that's something that's simple that can make something complex. And it doesn't have to be that something infinitely complex makes the rest of us. Mm, well, yeah, I don't know, but I've, I've always believed God to be this uh, really complex. I mean, I mean, after all, the universe is complex, right? And how can something so simple make something so complex? Uh, if God were to make the universe and he has to understand the complexity, the, the real complexity of the universe, which we humans can't even uh, begin to but, grasp. 
Here, here's my here's my point. Is, is understanding necessary for the creation of the universe? Uh, well, I believe, yeah. I mean, even God has to understand it. So that's why I thought God has to be much more complicated than universe. Maybe, but like, let's think about this, right? If we're talking about like Jupiter, right? From my point of view, I don't think any knowledge or wisdom or intuition is required for Jupiter to exist. I think there has to be some physical laws that happen, right? I think like gravity has to be a thing. And I think time has to take place for it to, for all the rocks to come around the sun and the solar system. But I don't think there needs to be any intent. I don't think there needs to be any, like, you know, anything complex necessarily. Uh, just a couple yeah, that, rules of physics to follow, right? Yeah, we kind of. I, I might, I might take issue. I'm not a physicist. I'm not a cosmologist. So I, but I kind of take issue. Maybe that the universe is is really complex because it seems to be follow some simple rules. Yeah. Um, like it can, complexity can be kind of relative as well, and and I'm I'm kind of taking issue with your definition of God because you kind of defined a God that's so complex that we can't understand a God, and yet you understand that this God is really complex. So your reasoning seems kind of circular. Um. Well, yeah, I guess so. That's what I don't really believe. I don't really. I'm not really certain whether there is God or not. But uh, okay. just you mentioned those laws of physics, uh, gravity, all of those laws that exist. I believe in the watchmaker's analogy. Uh, so all of those laws of physics, it's the work of God, right? So all of the things that exist now is because God wrote those laws of physics. And for for that to be a thing, he must be much more advanced for, for, for reality to exist, for it to be a coherent system, not a self-destructing one. It's... Uh, for it to be able to exist simply, he has to understand all these intricacies in physics, right? And for humans, that's really hard. And for God, he, he, must, okay. he must be really, yeah, he must be... I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question. I want to give you one more challenge. And then I do have to let you go because we do have some other people on the line. But one more thing, if that's okay with you. We were talking about the watchmaker's analogy. It's an interesting analogy. Uh, um, and I think it fails in some regard. And tell me what you think about this objection I have to the watchmaker's analogy. The watchmaker's analogy, I think, works because we're able to see a watch and we're able to see the mechanics of it, right? Uh, and we understand that watches are made by humans and stuff, right? So when we look at a watch and we compare it to nature as like a background, we can see the differences there, right? Because nature doesn't function like watches do. We don't find watches growing out of trees or swimming in rivers, right? The problem with the watchmaker's analogy, though, is that if we're comparing, if we're talking about nature as being designed, well, we can't compare nature to nature, right? Nature isn't the background that we're measuring it against, right? So how can we tell that nature was designed? What metric can we use? Mm, uh, well, I know. I guess it's just nature's design because otherwise it wouldn't exist. Because, um, like, can something exists without being designed? Um, Maybe no, not. Of course not. It can't. Why not? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm certain about that, but it's more likely that for something to work, right? For something to work, for an operating system to work on a computer, we have. Uh, going into panicking, uh, I'm sorry, we are being failure at any point. It has to be designed, right? A computer. Well, computer, sure. But I'm just talking about nature, <laughs> right? Yeah, so the the only way to yeah, know if something oh, is designed or reality, not. The very fabric of reality. If it yeah. is designed, then it might not even work. Like a computer that fails to boot up. Yeah, we, we only have one universe to observe. So mm -hmm. we don't know if it's designed or not. 
because we have nothing to compare it to. Right? Yeah. We can we know a watch is designed because we've seen other watches. We can go into a watch factory, go to a watchmaker's uh, st- shop, and see them working on watches and know that oh yeah, this is this is built. We can look at the pieces being manufactured, but we only have this one universe to to see. If we had uh, access to you know, two, 10, a dozen, two dozen universes. And maybe, maybe the laws of physics are different in each one. And maybe this is the only one where life could exist. Okay. Maybe you might have an argument, but we don't, there's only one universe. We can't, we can't, we can't state that the universe is designed or not. The universe just is, it just exists. And yeah. we can't really say where it came from. Um, yeah, well, I guess so. I mean, I do, I, yeah. I thought, uh, alter between atheism and deism is kind of absurd, really. Maybe that has to do with, um, uh, my upbringing. Like I was raised in a very Islamic, uh, family. So there is still residual, uh, beliefs in me that I refuse to let go. Like the fact that a universe cannot exist from nothing. And so that's why I think I'm that's why I grafted it toward deism right now. It's because of those yeah. residual values that were imprinted to me. Yeah. Could be, could be, or there could be good arguments for deism too, right? But if we look at our arguments and we find maybe this isn't as strong as I thought, the honest thing is to maybe shed those beliefs, right? Maybe re-examine it. Uh, and I'm not saying that what your beliefs are are right or wrong, but I do have objections and I do have reasons why I don't have that view. And I've shared that and Aaron has shared that. So hopefully, hopefully that's been an, enlightening for you or at least uh entertaining for you at the very least super Tony, thank you so much for your call and talking to us with your perspective i do appreciate yeah. that and i think cool. you might be the first person we've had calling from indonesia i could be wrong uh but that's really cool i like that uh, i don't know what time it is over there but probably way late or way early it's it's never you know in between it seems uh from that side of the world Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. But uh, we're running really, really late on on time. This is a super long episode. But Aaron, there's like one more call I like want to get to. Let's do it. Let's someone do it. who's been waiting for a while, and I know there's other folks who are waiting, and I'm so sorry. Uh, but this one's very interesting. I don't think we've talked about this topic on the show, so I want to make it in and sneak it in really, really quick. I got Stephen calling in from Mississippi. Stephen, I know you've been waiting for a while here, but I'm 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 getting you in right at the end of the show. What do you got for us? Hey, fantastically, Dan. Glad you uh, saved the best for last, my brother. That's That's right. Please don't prove me wrong on that, Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I've been digging down a rabbit hole, and I don't know how I can make this fast call. It's a super interesting topic for me. But I've been an atheist in Mississippi for the last 10 years, and I have been uh, listening and watching to uncharted x youtube videos about egypt 
And there are some things out there that really are blowing my mind. Um, there are, you know, the scoop marks around the unfinished obelisk. There are the fact that they're lifting stones that are incredibly heavy. I'm a crane operator, so... I mean, I know what it takes to lift a million pounds, and they could not have done that, and yet they did over and over again. Um, so, I mean, all of that fascinates me. Um, I, I love how I, mean, I don't know how they could have done it. My idea maybe is that maybe the moon was closer, maybe like two hundred fifty thousand years ago. Gravity was different. Maybe I don't know. But um, what I asked you guys about in the call screener was the shift disk. And if you yeah. Googled it, uh, S-H-I-S-T disc, it's quite fascinating. If you look at this, this stone, it looks like a piece of machinery. It is incredibly thinly carved. Um, the, the way they design it, it's perfectly symmetrical. It's, I mean, it looks like something you couldn't have built today. There, I don't think yeah. anybody can build it today. It'd be hard I'm, to build it out of steel. Maybe a I'm seeing the printer. Let's talk about this real quick. Uh, first of all, wait, I just want to correct yourself. Did you say... 250,000 years ago? Or did I mishear you there? I, I, I mean, I'm just guessing. I mean, who knows when Atlantis and all that stuff happened? Yeah, I mean, uh, do you really think we only went back 100,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago? I think. I don't think the Egyptians went back that far. Back a lot. No, I don't. I don't I think. think that, I think uh, humans have been around for hundreds of thousands of years. But in hunter-gatherer societies, I think uh, Egyptians uh, are one of the oldest civilizations that we have evidence of. But it definitely doesn't go back that far. Um, and even as far back as it does go, I don't think it goes far enough to know that the moon was different enough to affect gravity on Earth. I don't know about that. <laughs> you, you don't think it's possible that the Egyptians just uh, acquired or inherited? Some uh, some structures like uh, a lot of these stones that just fit way too good. They're just so you, perfectly uh, fit around corners. Wait, are when you, you say are you claiming that this technology means that the ancient pyramids were built by non-humans, is that, yeah, is that what saying, you're claiming? Yeah, inherited by aliens, like on Earth, like yeah. Okay, because it seems I don't because I, I, I pulled up I pulled up a picture of this of this schist disc. It is interesting. Say, say that yeah. twenty times fast, and it looks like it's made out of stone. If it's, aliens it's, were here, yes, why is. would they make it out of stone? Why wouldn't it be made out of metal or some it's, other more durable? I also want to note that the first image that comes up on Google is a reproduction. It isn't the it isn't the real one. So well, I'm on this FYI. ancientpages.com website. It's yeah. got pictures of it in a uh, museum. So, uh, if, yeah. if you were to have something built out of, out of metal or wood, it would not have lasted that long. The stone is all we have from that time period. And I think that the Egyptians actually acquired technology and, and they they took stuff from later generations. Uh, so I think that it's possible that human civilization or something, I mean, who knows, maybe Neanderthals or something that was building things way before we think they did. But I mean, I mean, look at the unfinished obelisk. They have the scoop marks underneath it. They're perfectly straight line scoop marks. Um, the Serapium with these uh, giant sarcophaguses underground that are so heavy, you would it would take a team of 200, 250 people to move them if you were lucky, but there's not enough uh, oxygen down there. They would have died. They would. There's no way to move them. There's no physical way to move some of this stuff. These uh, there's no way well, that we could do that today. Uh, so the, I'm going to call skeptic. Let's, I'm not let, sure I, can, I believe There's you, a lot but. to go here, go on here. Can we talk about Atlantis real quick? Because you mentioned Atlantis. Is that are, are we saying the aliens made Atlantis? 
or ancient humans were in Atlantis and then they just went to Egypt. Can we talk about that? Because that sounded fun. I've been, I've been I've been thinking about this for over two years and it's a fun rabbit hole to go down. But um, let's just say Atlantis was Antarctica. It's the only uh, continent in our on our planet that connects all of the continent to connect Africa, South America. It's centered and we can't study it because it's under ice and it's all these rules against it. But how do we know once all the ice thaws with global warming and whatnot that it we find out that there actually are pyramids and all kinds of stuff under Antarctica? I mean, how do we know that a lot of there are there. there now? Why would I what would make me believe that there's pyramids in Antarctica right now? Like, why would I why would I believe that? Well, you really can't. I mean, just like any religion, it's a belief, you know, but I mean, well, it's sure, but, I mean, I'm assuming you believe that, right? Like, I think that's your speculation. Like, so why do you why do you speculate that that's true? I I am speculating 100%. I don't know that it's a full belief, but I am very much speculating that it's possible and it's because of ancient high technology like the shift stick, like the scoop marks, like the therapeums and these stones uh, all across the planet that are put together. Say you have a stone wall that's built perfectly with no mortar. These stones are laid absolutely perfectly and they have these weird angles Sometimes they go around corners. Sometimes they're you know, just, it's odd cut. And it seems like if you were to design a block, you would just do squares. That's, you know, the, the logical solution. But they didn't do that. It almost seems like it was easy for them to move these or mold them or cast them, whatever they I mean, did. I, I mean, I'm not, amazing I'm not sure I buy it by the moving because if I put my car neutral on level ground, it weighs 2,000 pounds and I can push it because it's on wheels. So yeah, I think a bunch of people can get together and move heavy objects. I mean, I've seen groups of people lift cars, like four, four or five people can lift a, a car together. So pounds. a million, a, the, a million the pounds is a million, a million pounds, maybe 2 million. I don't know about the math on it. It's, it's very heavy. And I'm a crane operator. I know what it takes to move something like that. And you're talking about not just moving, you're talking about transporting it thousands of miles. They have to lift it up out of the quarry and run it, run it over rough terrain, and then eventually they have to stand it up. Yeah, just I'd have to check. I'd have to check on did. the story on all that. Oh yeah, to, Uncharted X. See I mean, how I'm they moved it and pulled it up. Promote some well, other channel, but holy and who is cow. just and what's Uncharted X's background? Are they did they study this stuff, or are they just somebody online? Or because I'd, I'd like to go to someone who's actually uh, studied Egypt, ancient Egypt, and knows you know and spent their life studying it and, and looked like at what other goes, people have done and who's this person on youtube i would say that it's as close to a to a study as you can get i mean heck, it's, it's more it's more realistic study than most christians will offer you but if you watch some of his videos i think your mind will be blown as mine has i can go on well, i think about this stuff. i'm pretty sure my mind would be blown but i also i'm also pretty sure that the video is just gonna be claim after claim after claim after claim after claim with no evidence to to back it up i, mean, I could be wrong um but you're making you're making a lot of claims yeah. about all this unique cool yeah, stuff yeah, like that they, um, each couldn't they have done three d there's not of a vase that not, was doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence to support your your claims i mean i I, I believe that there is a lot of evidence to it. I can't say it's enough evidence for me to say it's a fact. I think we need to study it a lot more. But I think that a lot of people have been ignoring and, and shutting down this on a religious basis. They We feel like, you know, humans have only been around in a civilized fashion for 
10, 20,000 years. I well, feel like we've gone back much further than that. Let's so think I, about this. We have had, I, I, want to, I want to say something real quick, Dan. I'm, ahead, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if somebody could prove that the ancient Egyptians were using technology that they shouldn't have been using, no matter what the religion is. First of all, there's probably at least one person who doesn't care, regardless of their religion. But even if they were, that's a pretty big scoop. That's a pretty big story that somebody would have to not want would have to want to sit on. And I just I just can't believe that there's not one person to study this stuff that wouldn't want to be famous for knowing this stuff, but and discovering so, it. Dan. There's a lot to say about this. Um, we have to understand that our current understanding of human history is revolutionary, right? There's already people that don't accept that narrative. The idea that human beings have been around for hundreds of thousands of years and not a, just a few thousand, like that was already revolutionary in its field. There's also lots of controversial yeah. theories in anthropology about human origins that exist already. You know about aquatic ape hypothesis? <laughs> I mean, that shit's, I mean, that's by like real reputable people posting some of that stuff out there, which is pretty wild. But the thing about ancient Egyptian construction techniques and other kinds of ancient civilizations uh, building processes, there's a there's a particular narrative that gets spun about these. And the one narrative being there's this other story that's being told here that's being repressed. Um, and, and, you know, the mainstream doesn't want to hear about this. May I suggest to you that there is perhaps another story as to why that narrative exists. And I'm going to point you to a man called Eric Von Donneke. Eric Von Donneke. Oh, yeah. Oh, Danik, you know of him. Wrote a book called Chariot of the Gods, right? Every Still yeah. goes on History Channel, I'm pretty sure. Like, talks about mm -hmm. ancient alien stuff. I mean, he's the godfather of a lot of this stuff, right? These ideas that the ancient aliens actually knew about. I mean, sorry, the ancient Egyptians knew about aliens and stuff. And they helped do these things. And how can these cultures, you know, build this stuff? It doesn't make sense. There is a lot about Egyptian architecture in particular that we don't have the exact understanding of their construction techniques, etc. And that is absolutely true. But to posit that it has to be extraterrestrial in origin, I would say is just as problematic as any religious assertion, right? I mean, what are we are we are we saying that there's another grand conspiracy here of aliens? meeting with certain people at certain times and, and don't meet with the rest of us. Why would uh, you know, I mean, I, I would, I would posit that how many times, this, go ahead. How many times have Christianity or how many times has Christianity or the victors of any war destroyed the uh, evidence of any past civilization? Just look at what we did to the native Americans. We destroyed all of their history. I mean, this is true. You no, know, Eric on Danica talked about the, um, uh, going in, uh, say, South Carolina, they have the teardrop-shaped um, um, lakes in South Carolina that look like an asteroid impact 10,600 years ago at the Younger Dryas period, where we're talking about uh, North America was a, an, an uh, ice sheet. It was a two-mile-thick ice sheet, and they say that an asteroid impacted North America and caused a flash flood which melted all of the ice. And that is where you get the biblical flood stories because two miles thick of ice melted in the matter I, of a hundred years. I, and I, we're talking about something else entirely, right? I mean, th these are other ideas about human history, but uh, just going back to Eric Von Daniken, right? Eric Von Daniken did not get his information from going to Egypt and studying the culture and working with Egyptologists uh, he literally wrote one of his books in prison. Uh, the dude is like, you know, has been charged with like embezzlement and stuff, right? Like, this is a dude that just wrote a story about a possibility 
yeah. his idea of this being all true has just as much basis as any religion f- religious phenomenon. It's just a story, an interpretation of events. It's not based on any hard science or hard evidence. It's just a speculative what if, right? And yeah, Eric von Dannik is not alone in this uh, kind of assertion. I think it'd be cool. I, I mean, I'd love it if we, if we just, if, if it was, if this was all true, cool story, you know, that'd be awesome yeah, to maybe. realize that ancient aliens had been here and we, we weren't alone, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait for experts who study, who spend their lives studying this stuff to, uh, to, to, to come to that conclusion because I don't have time to study this stuff. And sure I can go online and look at videos, but I'm going to be skeptical of, of videos on YouTube unless I know their source. I got, I got, I got to know where the information is coming from and who's saying it, why they're saying it, um, what they've spent their life studying you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Uncharted X actually goes through and shows you the evidence himself. He goes to Egypt. He goes to Washington state. You know, he shows you the stuff itself, the stones and the, and he, he puts these through laser technology with engineers from NASA and just shows how this stuff is way more precise. And, and I know he goes off in the left field talking about, you know, geometry and all that shit, but, I, I don't know if I'm right about the Eric Von Daniken guy. It might be a different guy saying this, but in Washington State, up in the above California, there are uh, ancient waterfalls that are just massive, like way bigger than Niagara Falls. Just huge right. cliffs that were obviously waterfalls, and yeah. all this could be the source of the global flood stories that we hear from so many cultures and. Yeah, Stephen, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. I, I, I get that there's a lot of rabbit holes with this stuff. Uncharted X, I don't know anything about him. What I do know uh, just by Googling him is that he's a YouTuber, you know? And I'd be curious to see what sources he has on this. But when you're talking about folks like Eric Von and Danigan, who don't even have a relevant degree in anything that they're talking about, you got to be really careful with this stuff because there are scammers and there are people out here just to make money off of a story. And I would be worried that this is another example of that, you know, uh, just because they want to get you hyped up on this stuff that, oh, nobody's talking about it because they're suppressing oh. the truth, right? I mean... It's one of the oldest tricks in the I book. Googled Eric Von Daniken. It's definitely, definitely not who I'm talking about. I'm sorry, I don't have okay. the names. I just Googled Eric That's fine. Von Daniken. Definitely. Well, the reason why I brought him up, but, Stephen, uh, yeah. is because he, this isn't revolutionary, right? This isn't like cutting edge. Eric Von Daniken wrote those books like decades ago, um, and he he was yeah. one of the fathers of this uh, modern ancient aliens movement, right? Like, there's there's yeah, yeah. a presence in this in popular culture. I just looked this up on Wikipedia. You know how many copies that book sold hit chariot of the gods 63 million copies worldwide that's not being suppressed it was translated in 32 different languages there's no world government trying to stop that information this is just fiction (laughs) you know this is just entertainment for people this isn't rooted in anything science or history related at all it's just got people writing books i think that's i think that's where a lot of this comes from but i don't know about this uh other youtuber i'm sorry to say steven i can't comment on that um but look, we are at the end of the show. If you started watching any of, I, I get you. If, I, if you watched any of the videos from Uncharted X, I think you would really enjoy the rabbit hole that will bring you down. And it's definitely not Eric Von Daniken. Sorry, I get you. I, maybe, uh, maybe on uh, my other show, Zadanza, I'll give it a watch. We'll do a live reaction, and we'll 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 give it a talk. We don't do video reactions on this show, but maybe maybe we can talk more about it so I can speak more expertly to what I'm reacting to. But we are like way over time here, Stephen. I do got to let you go. Uh, I'm glad I got to talk to you about it today, though. Uh, maybe in the future we can talk about more specific historical ideas. 
and we can like narrow down a topic. Uh, and I think that would be a fruitful conversation. But if we're jumping all over the place, it's hard to keep track of what's going on. Uh, but regardless, this has been a super, super long episode of Truth Wanted here. Uh, we went over time because we had a lot of callers. Why not? Let's do it. Uh, thanks for the crew. Yeah, thank you, going over time for that. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. A lot of blast. Uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, it's great. I, I had so much more to say about that last call, but we really do got to wrap things up here. Uh, so uh, is there a great way where people can find you at uh, outside of, you know, this show? No, this is pretty much it over. You can watch me over on the nonprofits and uh, all that, although I don't have an official ACA presence, you can probably email the ACA and I'm sure someone would forward any emails. I'm also over in the ACA discord and you can send me a message there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that email, if you do want to email the show, if you have an Uncharted X video that you need me to watch, or there's some other uh, hidden evidence of Atlantis in Antarctica, I want to know about it. You can email the show. It's truth at atheist-community.org, or you can go to TV at atheist-community.org and see what's going on on our website at atheist-community.org. And yes, there is a Facebook group that is run by fans for fans, which you can go to tiny.cc slash FBTWG for to interact with the other fans. And uh, one last thing before we ramp things up i am gonna skip over to this we got to thank the wonderful awesome amazing stupendous crew that helped make this show happen every, every single, single week there are thank you guys waiting, waiting for us to shut up, up so we can go home is that a and, crew rabbit and the crew rabbit crew rabbit very essential um, doing, doing its rap things with the tax folks. This has been a fun episode. We got to talk to a lot of people today. Uh, so thank you to everybody who's calling lots in. Lots of topics too. Lots of topics for that. I just want to reiterate the, we want the truth segment. We do have a caption contest for this. Uh, so we want to know what is your best caption for the picture on screen here. Of course, we got J Mike and me doing some stuff. Uh, really appreciate that. Please like, and subscribe as well. If you haven't already. And I think that's going to be it. For tonight, Aaron, uh, I'm Objectively Dan. This has been another episode of Truth Wanted. Remember to always keep wanting the truth, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Watch the nonprofits and join the hosts in the live chat. Visit tiny.cc/ytnp. You've worked hard for what you have: your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.